All right. How you doing there, sir? Get that thing here. All set. Okay. All right. How are you doing, Reg? All right. Thumbs up. Good for you. I'm not doing too bad. It's uh, officially fall, so that's good. Officially now. All my pumpkin spice things are starting to start coming out now. Love my pumpkin spice. Mm. Okay, are you ready to go? Let's go. I'll give you the um, the three S's and the uh, the countdown. You give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. Put it uh, down in the book there. 331. Episode 331. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Star, smile, strong. <laughs> a little burp there. <laughs> Better get that one out before we start talking, right? Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Oops, sorry, wait. Got something. Something stuck there on my tooth. All right, ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Of course. If you do uh, go somewhere else, some other area, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast, but more importantly, get out there and spread the word, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcastic, and it should be theirs too, your loyalty, your devotion, oh, brings a tear to my eye and a lump to my throat. If you like what you hear, go to WGNRadio.com, hit the podcast section, hit the prompt for this podcast, and my gosh, you won't even know what, what hits you. You just keep clicking and scrolling, and there are so many podcasts in there. Gosh. It's like Oscar Madison's bedroom. Google that reference if you're under 35. <laughs> There's probably about 330 in there, which can only mean one thing. Welcome to episode 331. So here we are in September, late September, and the football season is in full gear, full swing. The players are in full gear. Uh, they, they they were in uh, they were just in shoulder pads and uh you know and uh, and t-shirts for most of July during practice but now they're full gear i have to ask you a question if you're a football fan if you're a sports fan i saw pictures during the summer on television of of training camp and 
I don't know if it was all the players or it was just the defense, but they were wearing these very odd-shaped helmets. Did anyone else see this? Am, am I new to the game on this? I don't really pay attention to um, to preseason anything. I just it doesn't count, so I don't pay attention to it. I don't watch spring training baseball games. I don't watch preseason football games. I don't watch you know preseason hockey games. I, I, it doesn't count. Who cares? Oh, this person threw a beautiful pass today at Bourbon A. I don't. It's practice. Who cares? Rehearsal is important, but game day is most important. You got to show up on game day. That's what's important. You can have good rehearsals. You can have good practices. That's great, but it doesn't count. What did you do on game day? And when it goes into the standings, I, that, I've always been that way. I've I, I played sports my whole life. I, 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 I act. We have rehearsals. I, I certainly participate and give my all, but if I make a mistake in practice or in rehearsal, it's rehearsal. Just game day. If there's a problem when the game starts, then you have every right to, to look cross-eyed. But until the game starts, rehearsal doesn't count. Every team looks great in practice. I'll never forget when I was uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I I was on the football team. I played for two years. I played freshman and sophomore year. And I I got hit in my knee. I was a fullback and a linebacker, and I got hit in my knee. And baseball was really my 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 main sport. And I was a catcher. And so after I got hit in the knee, thankfully it wasn't serious, but I, I didn't want to further you know, injure my knee because I would need my knees to bend. And I didn't, so thankfully I didn't need surgery or anything. But I actually, it's funny. I don't know what's happened. Maybe it's just disappeared. But for a while, I actually, <laughs> when when I was in high school and catching, every so often I had, I had to wear like a, a brace on my knee because I had something floating around in there. Now, it may have just disappeared because I haven't had it in, in decades. So I may have done some damage initially. Back then, you know, it was it's amazing today. Sports medicine and regular medicine is just amazing. Back, my gosh, you know, 35 years or so ago, more than that. Uh, the 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 amount of of either um, knowledge or recognition of or the capability of or the the uh, the sense of urgency in terms of medical uh, and, and certainly in sports i mean i played organized sports with high schools and parks and things like that and uh there was oh walk it off everything was walk it off <laughs> now my gosh you know the, you, you you get hit hard and they, they take you out of the game and let you rest or they check your head you know for possible concussions oh my gosh i i remember playing football um freshman and sophomore year and and i got clocked a few times i mean i saw stars and just went right back in i don't know if that's good or bad yeah i don't know how we survived but we were here at least now but uh but i don't forget so talking about practice and and rehearsal 
as opposed to the big game. And so, you know, freshman year, uh, you know, you're all both. Isn't freshman year of high school an interesting time? You're both excited and you're afraid, at least initially, as you enter freshman year. It's quite a transition because um, for the last year, when you were in eighth grade in grammar school, you were the, uh, you know, you were the, the cream of the crop. You owned the school. You were seniors. You were the senior class. You had your graduation. Uh, when you walked around, oh, he's a senior. There are seniors. These are seniors. You know, you, you, you're you referred to as seniors in, high, in, in grammar school, you know, eighth grade, senior class. And you're the top of the uh, top of the food chain in grammar school, right? The cool of the cool. Everybody looks up to you. And then you go to high school. And so you graduate in May. And within two months, you are at the bottom rung again. And you got to start all over to be cool again. So you, you've gone to this odd. And not only that, you're 13 or 14. It's already you're already trying to process the teenage years and. And go through that internally. And then externally, you have all this this other pressure of that's going on internally and externally in terms of, uh, you know, fitting in and new school and new people and, and more people. You know, as you as you age and you get older, especially in your younger years, you know, you, you start out, you know, at your house and then your world expands a little to your neighbors and then it expands a little few blocks out and then you finally get to school and it expands a little bigger and then you get involved in some activities and expands a little bigger and then you go to high school and expands you know much bigger than that and then you go to college and it expands bigger than that and then you get out into the real world and it's 8 billion people um but anyway so Freshman year, you know, you, you get to we we are at, we're at practice and all the all the three teams the, the the freshmen the sophomores and the varsity all practice on the same field in different part, parts obviously, but you know when you're thirteen or fourteen you look at the seniors and they're like eighteen nineteen years old they're you know they're they're and I went to an all boys school I mean they're they're men right we're still teenagers but they're men I mean they're they're still they're teenagers but you know they're they're men pretty much the heck they could get drafted right so uh, i remember watching you know, football practice every day and you know we we would get done early perhaps and you could we'd watch the seniors practicing the varsity practicing and this is before the season started this is like you know in in august and leading up to september two or three weeks before the first game and uh so it's a whole new experience, new school, and, uh, you know, but wow, there's the seniors, right? And there's the varsity, and they're practicing, and they're hitting, and they're big, you know, and they're they're all cocky, and uh, they're practicing, and, they're, you know, the team is practicing amongst itself. So the, 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 the offense on the team is playing against the defense. You're playing against yourself. And... Uh, Wow, they looked great. I mean, they looked, you know, you'd watch some practices, and there's these guys, you know, running and passing and catching and the other side, the other defense. Wow, there's a sack or whatever. I mean, every, you know, they just like, wow, these guys are, 
are going to be great. These guys are a great team. We're, you know, little little freshmen. And we're looking at these guys that are maybe you know, four years older than us, but that's a big jump at that point in your life, those four years, in everything, in age, in maturity, physically and mentally. It's a whole different thing. You know, the seniors had a different swagger than we did. As I said before, we're... We just came to the school and we're freshmen and no one really knows us and we're trying to prove ourselves and we're very hesitant and unsure of ourselves being young teenagers, but they've, they've been through it all now. They're, they're on their way. Uh, and so they had a swagger about them and they were big and they were, you know, shaved. And, although I shouldn't say that because I was shaving too. <laughs> I, I, I matured early uh, physically. Uh, mentally, I don't know, but physically, definitely. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you know, we'd watch you know, for these three weeks of practice before the first game. You'd you'd, you'd see the the, the varsity uh, practicing, and they look great. And so now it's opening game. Okay, so now we're all excited because you know going to go to our first varsity uh, football game as freshmen and we were on the team so we were wearing our jerseys to the game so we thought we were cool but there's still that senior team the varsity team is the they represent the school they're the cool people right there and they've got the you know the cheerleaders and the whole thing and they got the cool their uniforms were much nicer and cooler than ours were much newer you know, their helmets were all painted nice because, once again, they were representing the team. Now I'm sure it's different, but back then there was a definite, a definite class system. <laughs> and the freshman equipment was the older equipment, and the jerseys and the uniforms were the older. Now I don't even think that exists, but there was a different, it was a different time, folks. And uh, it was, we, were, you know, we looked like the little rascals out there compared to the varsity. And um, so... I mean, you know, we had this impression that, my gosh, going into this first game, I don't even remember who they played, but uh, this our varsity team was going to be great this year, right? Oh, you know, everybody's clapping and, whoop, 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 you know, there's all this hoopla. We're seeing them practice. They're making all these great plays in practice against each other. This is my point. That first game against a real opponent not just practicing against themselves, but against another team was night and day. They got clobbered. I think they got shut out. You know, it was it was a, it was a it was a, a trouncing. The team got killed. And not only that, but I think they played eight or nine games. Yeah, I think I think they played. Uh, I think they played eight games a year. No, no. They played nine games a season. And my in my four years at St. Pat's High School, the varsity won four games, one game a year. They were four and 32, <laughs> the varsity team. And, uh, yeah, and it was, and they beat the same team every season. They just beat the same team in their conference. That was their one win every year. And so I, I, I remember when I saw that, I, 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 it, it, once again, I, I, I looked at it as a lesson, right? You're in high school. You're supposed to be learning. And I learned that. I, 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 I observed that as, a, as an important lesson that practice is important, but it's the game that shows up. It's game day that counts. 
Those guys at practice amongst themselves looked great. And, and, and they were excited and there was all this anticipation and expectation because they look great in practice, practicing against each other. But when they got up against other teams, they didn't, they didn't merit anything. They just were not a good team. And I mean, like I said, I've been practicing. I've been, I was involved in playing organized sports since I was a little kid. So I knew about practice, but I really realized it's that, that, it, that it's the importance about being there on game day. And, uh, and that was that really, uh, I, I, I still, like I said, I still put out in practice. And now, like I said, when I'm acting, I still give my all in rehearsal. But if I'm if I'm not as sharp as I'm supposed to be in rehearsal, sometimes some days, um, don't worry. I show up on game day, <laughs> so that to me is important. Show up in game day. But get back to what I was saying too. Um, they had this weird shaped helmet in practice that I saw on television, the, the, the pro. Does anybody know anything about that? If you do, I hope you can, um, you know, post something on my Facebook page when, when you hear this, this podcast. But they had this odd-shaped helmet. I saw it mostly on the defensive men. I don't know if it was just the linemen or everyone wore them, depending on who I saw on the clips from some spring training. But they, had, they almost looked like it was a foam helmet, which like a Nerf helmet, which can't be possible. But you know, sometimes at, at, at practice, uh, they don't they do no contact. So I don't know what that was. But if anybody knows, what were these odd? And they were bigger than the normal helmet too. They were huge. They looked like Gazoo from uh, from the Flintstones. Hello, dum dums. Harvey Corman's voice, by the way. Um, remember Gazoo, the the little alien that came into the Flintstones. Don't you love that? You know, the, the space was so, and in, in, in science fiction, was so popular in the 60s. You know, the space race was going on, and everybody's talking about space, and they had all the sci-fi, those really bad sci-fi films were out, you know. Everybody's going to Mars. Abbott and Costello go to Mars. Everybody's going to Mars. Now, we, we still haven't been there. 2022, we're st- we still haven't been to Mars. 70 years later, still talking about it. But uh, so here's here was the Flintstones, which is which is a an animated cartoon, you know, animated show about the Stone Age, which is millions of years before any space travel would ever be possible. The show is a parody on the Stone Age, but yet in order to uh, you know get viewers and be cool, they had an alien spaceman in the prehistoric times (laughs) even they had you know even though they had this story based in prehistoric times they 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 still wanted to to seem relevant to the audience so they they put a little spaceman in there gazoo the mighty the great gazoo hello dum-dums and uh, but yeah, he had this. He was this little guy, little green guy, of course, because he's a little green guy from outer space. But he had this giant helmet, and that's what the the, the players seem to have 
during training camp. This, and I never noticed this before. So if anybody knows what the heck those those giant helmets are made of and why they wear, why are they wearing them? They never used to wear them before. I don't know what they what the what the use is, but every time I was watching the news, they would show clips from 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 football training camp this summer. I saw guys wearing these big giant Nerf helmets. What the heck are those? But anyway, I'm bringing this up um, because, and this is once again, if you're not a sports fan, don't worry. I'm not talking about sports here. Sports, sports related, but but not about sports. More about once again our society, you and me, our behavior, which I always love to talk about because I'm always intrigued and fascinated and frustrated by human behavior. But it also makes for some great conversation and observation if you keep your eyes open. So here we are in the midst of football season now. It's in full swing. And during the summer, when the preseason football started, I started to notice this. And now television is filled with these commercials have you seen these? Ha- are filled with the commercials for the online sports books. And this is because pretty much now what was once relegated to very specific types of legalized gambling and even gambling um, restricted to, in some cases, few locations within the country, right? Las Vegas, Atlantic City. Those were the only places where there was like real elaborate casinos and legalized gambling. Now, gambling's been going on forever. And illegal gambling has been going on forever. And it's what initially helped make the... You know, the mob, the syndicate, the Cosa Nostra, whatever you want to call it, uh, it gave its initial footing because people like to bet. People like to gamble. And uh, like even a classic line in The Godfather, you know, one time Marlon Brando says, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, gambling, which the police don't think of as, you know, as important. Uh I don't know if Marlon says that, but somebody in the family talks about their business and talked about the, the potential of getting into the drug deal. And I think it is Marlon Brando, Vito Corleone, who says, look, you know, um, you know, gambling and women, um, that's our bread and butter. And the police don't really mind that because they just look at it as a, as a, as a harm, harmless vice. But, you know, drugs, that's, that's a dirty business. And um, and so now, gambling is 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 legal. It's it's it, well, they, it is officially legal. I mean, it's all over the place. You go into a bar, you go into a restaurant, and they have slot machines everywhere. And so, and I've talked about this a, a little in the past. Uh, it's amazing. Remember, do you remember if you watched old TV shows about police, especially like something like Dragnet? And those those reruns are still on. 
you'll hear about um, a, a certain unit within the police department called the Vice Squad. Remember hearing about the Vice Squad? The Vice Squad. And the Vice Squad, uh, their job was to, you know, concentrate on the so-called vices of our society, like gambling, drugs, prostitution, all these human behaviors that seemed natural, but which we had uh, legislated as unlawful. And this country, in its history, has always tried to legislate human behavior and human entertainment. And it has never worked. It has never worked. Uh, As I've said many times, the human species, the human animal, and yes, that's what we are, uh, you know, has certain things in it, certain attributes, it seems, that are inherent in its in its genetic code in its dna and our behaviors can be altered at times but they can't be completely changed as much as we want to change them and we make laws and we and we applied harsh punishments to change behaviors and all it did was create a a criminal underbelly that not only fed the addictions and the want for people to do things, but then it also, unfortunately, fostered and nurtured this entire subsystem of an illegal trade, of an illegal business, known as you know the syndicate, whatever you want to call it, where... There was this entire subculture that was that was lucrative and thriving, even though it was against the law. And so much of our law enforcement was focused on thwarting this, and it never got a hold on it because all of these so-called vices were so strong within the human species, gambling especially, and, you know, alcohol, drugs. You know, we had prohibition to outlaw alcohol. And I don't know if you know the story behind that, but, you know, it was basically pushed through the the prohibition laws because some men were so, men were getting so drunk here in the United States that they were they were they were they were beating women. The the, the 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 drive behind prohibition was led by women's groups. You know, women uh you know didn't have the vote for a long time, but they certainly had a lot of power uh when they when they mobilized and still do and still haven't really uh recognized the full impact and influence that they have if they would if they would band together and stay together. And when they do, they are a force, and they do exert change. 
And um, it, the, 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 the prohibition movement, and when alcohol was officially made illegal in the United States, was pushed by women because women were getting uh, physically abused by their drunken uh, husbands, so much so that it was like, okay, this has to stop. Now we know that, that I think it didn't even last for 20 years, and it, and it, was, it was overturned. But we have tried to legislate behavior, and we, ha- and we haven't been able to. Prohibition is a perfect example of that, one of the vices, alcohol, alcoholism. Um, prostitution, we still haven't legalized completely, but I think it's getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> I don't, we'll see. Um, drug use now? I mean, you know, we had in the '80s, we had a war on drugs. In the '60s, uh, you know, when when the when drug use was really beginning to grow with the with the whole, uh, you know, hippie generation with marijuana, and then heroin in the '60s and '70s, and then in the '80s, cocaine, and in the late '80s and '90s, then you know, crack, and um, and then in the '90s and. T- <laughs> In the 2000s, meth as well, LSD, you know, these, um, these very harsh drugs were outlawed, and we have had a war on drugs for 40 years. It has not worked at all. These, these drug cartels around the world are billionaires. If there's a demand, someone will fill it, even if it's illegal. And so what's so funny is we've tried to legislate our behavior for these vices, and all we've done, it, it goes against our natural instincts and behaviors. And while some people can, many people can't, and so this whole subculture develops, an illegal subculture, and um, it's, it's so lucrative because people want it. And so if it's illegal, it doesn't matter. Someone will fill that void if there's money to be made. So drugs now, as we've seen, at least marijuana, which used to be, you know, 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, viewed as, um, you know, a drug that would drive people crazy and, and uh, you know, which was all propaganda. But um, And now it's only a matter of time. It's a matter of years, I would, I would suspect, that Federally, I would assume that uh, marijuana, at least, is going to be legal. Here in Illinois, where I live, um, it is for, you know, you, you know, there's dispensaries everywhere. And uh, my gosh, during the pandemic, they were making record numbers. So all these vices that we have spent billions of dollars on for the last 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years to fight all these, these human urges that we've tried to legislate against, um, have slowly become legal. And gambling is another one. Completely, it, you know, it start and it's, it's illegal. Then some states uh, did it. Okay, we were fine with a couple of states. Well, now gambling is a part of our culture. It has been for years. In neighborhoods, they would have what they called the number. It was just a, you know, a casual type of thing. Someone would, you know, Pick a number. You'd, you'd put some money down and you'd give some money. I want number seven. And someone would have the official drawing somewhere in their basement. 
Now the number was 25. Oh, you won. I mean, people have been gambling on everything. You know, we go back to Egyptian times and we see gambling going on. We've tried to legislate against gambling. It doesn't work. Once again, one of these. So I don't even, I don't even know if the vice squads even exist anymore in police departments because all our vices are now legal or certainly incrementally legal and moving toward complete legalization. And I would say, I would say within the next five years, you know, certainly marijuana will be legal. Obviously, alcohol is legal, and uh, and gambling is 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 legal. As I said, there's slot machines everywhere now. And uh, but wow, have you noticed the number to show you how gambling has become so prevalent in this country? And it was always popular; it was always around, but it was always hidden because it was illegal. You know, bookies and and illegal gambling has been going on forever. Even when there was legalized gambling, even even you know, gambling that's considered acceptable for a while, you know, whatever that meant. I mean, once again, we played around with so many different names for it, but it's been around and it's been legal in many ways. There's been horse racing forever. You gambling? That's gambling. You know, so we 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 are so stuck still in our. In, that, in our Puritan um, roots of this religious, um, you know, con, comden, comden, condemnation of, of activities that uh, we've tried to legislate and, and it just doesn't work. And so what's interesting now in the 21st century in the 2020s here is that we finally have just decided, you know what, we can maybe do these things in moderation. And, 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 and now there are more facilities and, and organizations and agencies to help people. There are gambling uh, hotlines and there are alcoholic hotlines, obviously, and Alcoholics Anonymous and Gamblers Anonymous and, and things like that. But we've stopped trying to completely legislate against what is human behavior that clearly cannot be changed, at least en masse. Some individuals can stop. Some individuals stop drinking. Some individuals may have been gamblers and they stop gambling. I'm not saying that, that it's, it's not impossible, but, but en masse, um, we've tried to legislate against gambling. And it just, it's, it's, so as, as we as a society look for new ways to get revenue to fix our roads and, and our schools and all the things that need that need money, we've realized that for years we've allowed these other illegal enterprises to make billions of dollars where if the people are going to do it, if the people are going to spend the money, we, these laws aren't working. The police can never, there's, there's too much demand. The demand outstretches any type of policing against it. It's not the police's fault. It's just too much of it. So finally, we've, re, we've realized, we've, we've, we've faced reality. We stopped denying it and said, okay, look, you know what? We need to get in on this. Why, why should we let these illegal enterprises flourish while we're pretending that we're, 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 we're somehow legislating against it? We're not. It's not working. So we might as well get a piece of pie of it and use that money to either help people create new agencies who have a problem with it, but also use the, the money. is so lucrative that we can you know, fix our roads, fix our school, at least put money into all those things, as well as have 
different agencies and, and groups to help people if they have problems with it. But just saying you can't do it never worked. Never worked. And actually, that whole idea of it being illegal actually added some, some intrigue to those who did it. So now we can walk down the street and you, know, you can buy marijuana at a store. 50 years ago, you'd be thrown in jail for 20 years if you sold it. <laughs> uh, and, and it's the same way with alcohol. I mean, that gave rise to the, the syndicate in the 20s with Al Capone and, and all that. That's how, that's how people, I mean, I don't know if people know this or not, but that's the way the Kennedy family made their money. Joseph Kennedy, the father of the Kennedys, was a bootlegger. He, he you know, transported and was in the illegal alcohol trade. Of course, there was no taxes on that, remember? You know, since it's illegal. They're still living off that money, folks. That family. <laughs> From 100 years ago. So uh, we made a lot of people billionaires, millionaires, billionaires by trying to legislate against human behavior, and it hasn't worked. So now it'll be interesting to see the next 20 years when we're legalizing all these former vices, um, if the money that we get from them will actually make a difference legally now. And we'll see what impact it has on our society um, in terms, you know, are, were these vices, were they, you know, the, 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 the reason behind them being illegal was that they were, that they were you know, well, against, you know, God's law. It was a religious kind of initial backlash. But it was also about the harm that it would do to society. So we'll see now. This is, we're still an experiment. We don't know. It'll take 20 or 30 years to figure out, was legalizing marijuana smart? Or did we find out that a lot of people are high and they're not really doing their jobs well or they're not really um, motivated? We'll, I don't know. We'll see legalized gambling. Are a lot of people losing their life savings? Are they so addicted that that making it so easy it's they're 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 just losing they're they're spending their paychecks we'll see they were they were called vices for a reason so now we have we have eliminated the vices we have made them legal so now we're going to have to see exactly what the implication is they're certainly money makers the the money that we've made from uh legalized marijuana i don't know if it's made a difference you know, let's face it, we never have enough money in our government. There's always a problem. We, we always need more money. Um, so we'll see what the impact is. We might, be, we might be taking in more money, but you never know. You know it's how you spend it. So now we're going to have all this extra money from, from, uh, from legalized marijuana, for instance. But... Do we see? Do we find that anything's any better? I don't know. We have all these extra influx of money, but our governments are still in deficits. We still have, uh, you know, problems with, with funding schools and, and funding other agencies and and all this stuff. So uh, we never have enough money. Even when we find new lucrative revenue streams, and it adds hundreds of millions of dollars a year to our budget, it's still it's a drop in the bucket. So who knows? But my original point is, so have you noticed 
in the last since in, in now, I mean, about a year or so ago, they passed a law that pretty much made gambling legal. So much so that there's actually a sports book now in Wrigley Field. <laughs> In the sports arena, and, and there's no question that gambling is what made sports popular. There's a few, and, there's, and I'm one of them. There's a few of us that actually likes sports for the intrinsic appeal and value of the game itself. I should tell you this right now. I am not a gambler. I do not gamble. I just do not gamble. I have been to Las Vegas dozens of times on both pleasure as well as business. And I think I may have, there may have been one time when I was in my early 20s when I went with some friends that I really gambled for the two or three days I was there. And after that, I have gone back there on several occasions. I've spent two or three days there at a time and I have not put down a quarter, not even a quarter in a slot machine. I just it it I have it doesn't have any appeal to me. I'm just not interested in it. I don't get that juice, I don't get that excitement. I just it's not it's not my thing. And uh when I would go I'd like my dad uh liked to go to the racetrack. Took me as a little kid. But um when I would go to the racetrack and now it's hard to I mean there's not many around anymore. But over the last 20 30 years I would not bet I enjoyed I enjoyed watching the horses. I think I love horses. I think they're so they're so majestic. I love watching horses. I like horseback riding. I'm not a I'm not a trained rider by any means, but whenever I have a chance to go horseback riding, I do. I love being around horses. I don't have one. I I I'm not in the horse world, but whenever I am around a horse, I really love it. I wish I was. I'd like to to be more involved and 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 go horseback riding more. I wish I'd had, I wish I had it as a young kid because I really love it. But I never bet when I went to the racetrack. I'd watch the horses run and I'd say oh, I would have bet on number. Oh well, I would have won. I just I I'm not I, you know I don't play. I used when I was in, high, in college once again. I used to get together regularly to play cards. I haven't played poker or cards with friends in thirty years. I'm just not a gambler. It's not my thing. I go to concerts. I love music. And everybody says, geez, you got all these Elton John concerts. Where do you get this money? Well, I don't spend it on other stuff that, you, that other people spend it on. I don't gamble. I'm not a big drinker. I don't go to bars every weekend. So I have money that other people are spending on other things. I don't go, we don't go out to dinner all the time. You know. So everybody has their own little quote-unquote vices, Right. But gambling was not one of mine. But there's no question that gambling is a, was a driving force behind sports. Now, we know in baseball, the infamous uh, Black Sox scandal where gamblers actually paid off the players to lose the World Series. And baseball has had a very, and since then, baseball has had a very uh, antagonistic relationship with gambling. So much so that it's that it banned Pete Rose, who was accused as manager of the Reds of gambling, and there's big signs because the you know, the, the integrity of the game was questioned after the blacks the Black Sox scandal of 1919, and so baseball is extremely um, 
sensitive to that. And at the same time, baseball has moved forward in the 21st century. As I said, the Cubs have a sports book in next to Wrigley Field where you can bet on the game, and yet, you know, there's all this, you know, so, I mean, the, the lines are blurred. I mean, Pete Rose is not in the, in the Hall of Fame and is banned from baseball more because he's kind of a jerk. Then, but, but now, I mean, to me, I always, I always, I, I mean, I always respected Pete Rose as a baseball player. I don't know what, what kind of person he was personally. I think we're getting more and more about that. And even at 81, he's still kind of belligerent. But you can't deny the guy's uh, talent on the baseball field. The hardest thing in baseball, and maybe of all sports, is to hit a baseball. And the, those that are paid the most are the, are, are in baseball are the ones who can hit that ball. You only, if you if you are successful three times out of ten in baseball, you're a millionaire. You're a billionaire. If you can get a hit three times out of out of ten, you fail seven times. If your average is three hundred, which is three hits out of ten, you are a millionaire. That's how hard it is to hit a baseball. And the guy that's got the most hits in the history of the game, going back to Abner Doubleday at the very beginning, is not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and he's not in the Hall of Fame because of gambling. And now baseball has completely embraced gambling to the to the to the, the extent that there are sports books right on the premises of the game. So there's a lot of contradictions and a lot of hypocrisy going on. As we now a society that was once anti-gambling, gambling was illegal. We are now in a transitional period where all those long-held um, notions and, and opinions and structures and institutions against gambling are now realizing that people want to gamble and we need some money in our government. So we, you know, and we've, we've allowed the, you know, the underworld to make billions of, 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 of dollars for, for decades. And, it, and what have we accomplished? Nothing. So we might as well get a piece of the action rather than spending money to try to stop it when we're not. We've never stopped it. So gambling now is a, is a legitimate part of at least American society. It always has been around Europe too. It's always been casinos in Monaco and places like that. But I'm talking about the United States. So we've always been this, you know, this, this, puritanical society and we and it's it's taken almost 250 years and we finally are realizing that uh these 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 old held beliefs and this legislating against human behavior doesn't work and we've wasted a lot of time we've wasted billions of of dollars and we've we've ruined many lives in the in the process and wasted many lives and we've achieved nothing by it some long-held religious belief that that we were legislating against um behavior and you can't do it because it's inherent it's inherent in us so now gambling is here i mean las vegas is now used to be like i said before vegas and atlantic city is where you went for legalized gambling now you can go down the street and play a slot machine five minutes from your house so gambling is here it's out and sports gambling especially, that's what most people have always bet on. And, um, you know, because baseball 
is always had this weird thing with gambling. Uh, the, 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 the sport of choice for the gambler, initially the illegal gambler, and now the legal gambler, but the, the sport of choice for gambling is football. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's been that way since the game started. You would always, it was ironic. Once again, gambling was illegal, and yet even in the newspapers for decades, they would tell you what the odds were. Whenever you hear the word odds, that's gambling. So we knew this was illegal, right? And yet in the newspapers, they had what the odds were that week for each team. This team is favored by seven. That was gambling. That was, that was information about illegal gambling that was in the newspaper. One of the most famous gamblers, illegally, once again, illegal, a guy who set odds. Now, once again, he set it in Vegas, maybe, so it was legal there, but those, the odds that these people would set were used in Vegas, and then all the illegal gamblers would use the same odds. So we, our country is so filled with hypocrisy, it's not even funny. We try to, we try to, we're in, we, we are so much in denial on, on things like this because we, we, we want to, um, we want to have some, an image of ourselves in one way, but we, we, are, we are no better than any other country in any other way. Let me just give you a quick one too. Um, I don't know if you've watched this. If you, I, 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 I've talked about Ken Burns in the past. He's made some, some great um, documentaries on a variety of subjects on prohibition, on country music, on baseball, on jazz music, on the Vietnam War. Um, his new one is about the United, the United States and what it did during the Holocaust or what it didn't do. And uh, three parts, uh, sure it'll be shown again, fascinating. From a historical standpoint, uh, I would encourage every American to watch it. It's not always flattering of America, but I think we need to start to um, appreciate and understand our history. Some of the held opinions of Americans in our history, only 60 or 70 years ago, not that long ago, 80 years ago, would shock you. And this is documented proof. So watch this if you can. Ken Burns's um, documentary called The U.S. and the Holocaust. It'll be an eye-opener. And, this, and, and, it, and it gets to the hypocrisies in, in many ways of, of, of our American society and the image that we project and even the thoughts we have about ourselves and yet how we, what we do and how we think are often very different. And uh, it, it was eye-opening and many, and many times shocking. You would never think that America's, Americans thought that way or acted that way, but we have. And, but anyway, so here we are. Uh, once I said, one of, the, one, of the, one of the biggest gamblers was known for was this guy named Jimmy the Greek, Jimmy the Greek Snyder. And he got in some trouble with some comments he made uh, later in his life about Martin Luther King. But, uh, but this guy used to set the odds. 
for Vegas, but all the illegal people used the, the same odds. And he used to be on television. He was on the the officially sanctioned you know NFL Today show with Brent Musburger, and they would run down on net, network television. Jimmy the Greek would say, "These guys, are, I'm, they're going to win by I'm, they're a seven point favorite, ten point favorite, three point underdog." This was the, 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 he was basically talking about what was illegal in most of the country. And yet here it was on network television. So uh, uh, there was a great, <laughs> it was so in, in, incongruous and, and it was so hip, you know, hypocritical. So finally, in this century, we are realizing that we can't legislate anymore. And we're looking for ways to, to bring money into our government. And so now they're taxing, obviously, gambling as well. Drugs are being made legal. Now, they're finally saying, okay, gambling. Now, as I said, have you noticed the, the, the commercials for all, all the Vegas? There's some Vegas-based as well as some you know online places that are advertising because it's football season. I mean, football is made. The reason that football is now the number one most popular sport in the country is gambling, pure and simple, pure and simple. If you're in a fantasy league, you're gambling. Anytime you put down money into something on the outcome of something, it's gambling. And so let's not forget, you know, we have, you know, the brackets, you know, the remember the brackets people, you know, everybody has their bracket for the final four. That's gambling, Right. <laughs> Everyone has it, though. You have these brackets at work. Some places have actually, I mean, they, they got so casual that some companies are like, wait a minute, we can't really, we can't, have, we can't have these brackets anymore that are in the office because it's gambling. You know, we shouldn't be promoting gambling. <laughs> but they were so prevalent and, and it was, everyone had them that they didn't even feel like gambling. But if you do brackets, it's gambling. If you're in a fantasy league, of in a fantasy baseball league or a fantasy football league, that's gambling. You pay in money, and then if you do well, you win, you get a, a, a pot back. That's called gambling, right? And everybody, sports fans now, you know, you cannot underestimate the, the behavioral impact that video games had. You know, what's interesting about technology is when technology starts, it's, it's developed to make things easier, make things better, make things quicker, make things more convenient, right? That's, that's, how they, that's how most technologies are devised and how they're developed to make mundane or difficult tasks easier or more convenient. And our technology development is... For as a, as as, as in not only the United States, but in, in as, as man, and mankind is is unbelievable what we've been able to achieve. But what we never think about with technology is the long term behavioral impact it will have on people. We're about the now. We don't think about well, well, what will this do to people's behaviors? But technology, because they make things easier, have a huge influence 
on then our behaviors and how we act and how we think. We, 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 it, it may be subtle, but it changes our behaviors when we use these new gadgets. I don't think anyone, when Pong, <laughs> when Pong was introduced in the 70s, if anybody knows, remembers what, you know, Google Pong, if anybody remembers Pong, it was, it was basically like a tennis match with two bars and the little blippy ball that bloop, bloop, and you, and you kept hitting it. That was Pong. It was like, you know, it was, it was like video ping pong. You know, video tennis, and it was slow, and but it was the coolest thing because, oh, my gosh, you're on this screen, and this stuff was moving, and you were controlling it, and you were active in it. And now, obviously, with the growth of the computer, um, you know, video games are now movies. <laughs> it's our major form of entertainment. But a whole generation, people that are in their 50, early 50s, certainly in their 40s and 30s and, and then younger, who are raised... When the when video games really took hold with Atari and with Nintendo and stuff like that, I don't think anyone at the time ever realized the societal and the behavioral implications. That looked it was looked at, I think, initially as some fun entertainment. That's the way it was developed, that was the way it was used, and that was the extent of it. This is fun. This is a new kind of toy to, um, you know, entertain kids. But ultimately, I, I believe the video game has had an amazing impact on human behavior and our culture and our society since the 80s, the last 40 years. I think because of video games... I think we now have legalized gambling. And you say, whoa, Jim, how do, you, how do you get from there to there? I think because of video games, we have a problem with guns. And you say, whoa, Jim, how do you get there? Well, that one's a little easier. But, you know, because obviously a lot of these, these video games are, are violent. Everybody's shooting everybody. So the, peop- the, the peop- kids grow up not thinking about the real-life implications of guns or growing up being excited by blowing things up and shooting things. They've had a, the video game has had a huge influence on our entertainment in terms of you know, films. Every film now is, is almost shot like a video game. It's computer-generated. And it's about explosions and shootings and, and violence, which is what is in the video game. That's what draws. That's what drives people to watch the video games. Grand Theft Auto and all these other games. Once again, never a video game player either. Um, they developed during my my childhood, in my teens, in my twenties and thirties. I should be into it, but I just never got into it. I enjoyed being out and actually doing things, not sitting at home, just clicking and pretending to do it. I liked to be out actually doing it. But that's the difference. There's a whole generation, now two generations, really, that, were, that have been raised on video games. And now they're adults. Pe- the people that started that are now adults, and, and they have kids, and, and they pass that on to their kids, just like fathers used to pass down their love for baseball to their kids. Uh, you know, now uh, 45, 50-year-old adults who've been playing video games since they were little kids are, have passed that on to their kids. But this whole idea 
of of not being passive, but being somehow involved. When you played, you know, video baseball or video football, you were involved to some extent, not physically, but mentally at least, to some extent physically with your fingers on that little joystick and the little controller. But there was a time where, you know, sports was active for the was a participant sport for the players and a passive for the spectator but we have a whole generation now that that does not want to be a spectator they want to be they want to have some skin in the game which is another gambling term (laughs) they want to be somehow involved so that's why from video games of playing the game itself well while not playing it while you know same thing with you know guitar hero people were what they wanted to play Guitar Hero, but they didn't want to learn how to, to play an instrument, right? That's too hard. People want to play baseball, you know, want to play Madden football, want to play, you know, basketball or baseball, uh, uh, you know, on their Wii or, uh, you know, on a video game, but they didn't want to play it out in the park with a glove and a ball because they might not have been good at that because that took maybe some athletic skill. <laughs> but they still wanted to be active in it. They didn't want to be passive. There was a whole generation that was very content to watch the game. But today's um, generations, because of the video game, I believe, have more of a sense of they want to be involved in it. They just don't want to watch it. So they bet on it. That makes it interesting. They've got some stake in it. And, and, and they had a stake in it when they played these video games because they were playing the game. So when they watch a game, then it's hard for them to just sit back and not do anything during it. But if they have a bet on the game, that makes it interesting. Or I think the video game then ultimately led to the um, creation of these fantasy leagues. It wasn't enough just to watch the baseball game or watch the football game. You want to, you want to have a team of players. You want to be the general manager. You want to be the coach. You want to... You want to Choose the draft picks, just like the pros do. You want to be active, not passive. The, the average sports fan today wants to be active. The, the way the games are, are, are broadcast today on television use many of the same angles that video games use because the people playing the video games are now in their 30s and 20s and teens and 40s and 50s. They grew up with that vantage point, and that's what they want to see. You cannot... You cannot underestimate the behavioral and the societal and the cultural impact that video games have had. And so, like I said, I think that today the reason that football is the number one sport is because so much money is bet on football. It's, it's a perfect it's, – it's perfect. The game is designed perfectly for television. There's action with 45-second increments in between. There's a time clock, so you know when it's going to end and, 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 and begin and end. The, the, uh, the action takes place right in the middle of your TV screen. It was made for television, and it was made for gambling. And gambling is what was, has made football the number one sport. Pure and simple. It was always embraced with uh, kind of a wink, Everybody knew it was being embraced, but no one was admitting it. But now it's out in the open. So much so, have you seen the way 
that gambling is now being marketed on television? These sports books that were, at, at a time, they were just relegated to Vegas and, and um, you know, and in uh, Atlantic City. The Internet has created a whole new world for gambling, and there's been gambling sites over the last couple of years, but now that... Um, that the, the the legislation has made it basically legal. All the major gambling institutions are spending all that money to make sure that if people aren't going to come to Vegas, they're going to make sure that they're still gambling with them. So you have you seen over the last year, and they're and they're on TV now all the time, and will be until after the Super Bowl, from now until February. Constant commercials on tv and radio but mostly television for these football gambling websites i mean you can gamble on any sport but it's football season now that's the main one that's the gambling sport and so you've got DraftKings and FanDuel, and uh you've got sports books now uh, from caesar's palace you know huge gambler you know gambling enterprise you know initially in vegas which is also in, in Nevada, in Lake Tahoe, and it was also in, uh, you know, Atlantic City now. But boom, you know, and there's, there's one in Canada. But, I mean, all these major gambling enterprises, these gambling companies, these, these casino companies that have made billions through their, you know, mostly in Las Vegas, are now advertising to get people to, to gamble on their phones in their house during the games. Every day, there's a sport somewhere. There's a sport to bet on. So like I said, you've got DraftKings, and you've got FanDuel, and you've got Caesars, and you've got MGM, um, you know, these, these major, uh, you know, sports places and another, uh, you know, gambling sites for football. And they're smart. They are marketing this like it is a normal part of life, like it's just a, a harmless entertainment choice, just like going to a movie. Kevin Hart, popular comedian, you know, is the DraftKings spokesman. Jamie Foxx, an Oscar winner, right? An Oscar winner is on commercials for the MGM sports book. And, uh, you know, uh, Pat Oswalt, the comedian, and J.B. Smoove is, is the, um, the spokesperson for the Caesars one. And even the Manning family. Archie Manning, the original father quarterback, and Peyton Manning. Are on doing commercials. Then, of course, and, and they're marketed like it's fun and there is not a there's not a downside to gambling at all. It's just another entertainment enterprise. Now we know that that's not true. We know that there is a downside. People lose their houses, lose their life savings, they they they, they lose their paychecks. Gambling has a very for mo- for most people who gamble a very detrimental impact. Most people, I don't care who you are, you don't win at gambling. Look at the way ca- the you know tele- tele- televised poker. Now there's you know there's poker championships. We are a gambling society. We always have been. We always just denied it. We were, it was always underneath the it was always behind closed doors. Now it's out in the open. You realize, my gosh, are we a gambling society? But these sports books are you know, are so smart. They are, they are, they are um, marketing this 
Like it's just going to the movies. There's never a downside that you could lose everything, that you could get addicted. Now, like I said, I have seen a commercial with the Manning family talking about the dangers and how you can get help you know, if you have a gambling problem. That's kind of like their, they, that's their PSA, their public service announcement. They do that to, to sort of, okay, we're going to, um, but there's certainly many more, there's more commercials to promote it than there are this little cautionary tale of be careful and if you have problems with gambling, you know, call this number and get some help. They do that, um, you know, as a public service, but their real motivation is to get you to get your phone and put your app, put their app on your phone and keep hitting, you know, bet, 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 bet. And it's amazing. You've got high-profile, popular um, celebrities now that are promoting gambling as if, once again, there's no downside. And that's what's scary. And, uh, and, and because there are, gonna be, there are people that do, cannot afford to gamble like that, but they do, and now it is, it is out there, and it is being marketed like it's fun, and it's got no downside. And so that's what worries me is you know we've always been a gambling society and because of the illegal the illegal aspect even though it was thriving it may have stopped some people from doing it that illegal part of it now the illegal part of it was also enticing to those that enjoyed it but it may have cut down on some of it the illegal aspect. Some people would say, well, it might be kind of fun, but I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get arrested. But now that has been, you know, that cloak of, of secrecy and in, 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 in being unlawful has been lifted. And so the companies that are there to make this money are promoting it like any other product, like any other entertainment um, uh, enterprise. And the downside, and they've always, don't get me wrong, they've always, um, you know, there's always been commercials to go to Las Vegas, and, so, and, and, they, and, and even if they didn't always show the, the, the gambling specifically, that was why you were going to Vegas, Las Vegas gambling, right? But now it is so blatant, and it is uh, being portrayed as having no consequences, high-profile people, with big audiences, uh, on commercials that are, are fun and, and funny and are not showing any aspect of the downside. That it's becoming gambling. You, you, should, you, know, you, you get up in the morning and you have breakfast and you make your daily bets. That's what they would love for you to do. They don't, they don't show you when people are losing. Gambling away their paychecks, can't make their rent money, and today, especially in today's world with inflation and the way things are, we won't know now for another 20 or 30 years the influence, negative or positive, that this, that this completely legalized gambling has had. But wow, I'm just watching all these commercials. Stay, pay attention now to the commercials that you see. And almost every third or fourth one is for some kind of online or smartphone gambling company or service, mostly promoted by big name celebrities. So, wow, we have come quite a way. I don't know if it's, it's a, I don't know if that's good or bad. 
if we're making money off of this, maybe it's good for our government because we certainly, the war against it, any of these so-called vices has never worked. But I, I hope that we become a little more um, concerned about the downside of gambling and, and, and how it has wrecked people's lives and families. Now, that's the ugly side of it. Many people have it under control. That's fine. And people who are gamblers will say, look, I only bet this much and I go home and that's okay. But there are some people that really can't. And there is a downside. As much as uh, the gambling business would, would make you think that it's all exciting and it's all fun and you always win, that's really not reality. And we have to remember that advertising is not reality. But take a look on your television these days and, and write it down how many times you see a, 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 a commercial, especially now in the next several months during the football season, as to how many people and how many companies are advertising and making gambling look like it is carefree and fun and the thing to do and everyone's doing it and they make it as easy as pie and it is just a, now a new uh, and accepted and carefree form of entertainment. It really isn't. You can bet on that. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 331. I'm Jim Toronto. I own your own business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Welton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. Come on, snake eyes.